This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round. And get fired in with our exclusive discount code, head to the bar and quote ABZ Pod for a £3 pint of Fosters, a £4 pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Dake. That's any day of the week including match days and if you're with the little ones and are looking for a spot of pre or post match lunch remember under 18s are welcome in the bar with an adult so make a day of it at Siberia come on you Reds Hello and welcome along to episode 155 of the APZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott and you are Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how are things? I am well, thank you. I am feeling a lot better than Joe Lewis's facial expressions would suggest that he was uh, sat in the Sky Sports studio post-game last night at Ibrox. So that's one thing for sure. Poor bastard, honestly. Patience of a saint, that man. Um, That whole, like, married couple forced fucking banter routine between Boyd and Sutton's just getting worse isn't it it's uh it's pretty excruciating yes um I don't know I think maybe Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher have got something to answer for <laughs> possibly I think you're probably right on that one anyway let's move on quickly nice and compact one for us this time around hopefully I look back at Tuesday night's 2-1 defeat in Govan, followed up by us looking ahead to the first ever meeting between the Dandy Dons and the Rosie Posey as Bonnie Rigrose head north in the Scottish Cup fifth round. But first, Sevco 2, Aberdeen 1, Ibrox Stadium on Tuesday, the 6th of February 2024 in Ascension. After a whirlwind couple of days, Neil Warnock made two changes in his first starting eleven since becoming Don's interim manager. In came Leighton Clarkson and Johnny Hayes for his 350th appearance in red with Dante Povara and Killian Phillips dropping to the bench. The Don's shaping up in a 4-2-3-1 that fell into a 4-4-1-1 when out of possession. But it was the hosts who made the faster start as they aimed to secure a win by a margin of more than two goals that would have seen them top the table. And they took the lead after just seven minutes. Matondo pouncing on a slack, but a play from Garten when he played the ball to McCausland. Hayes slipping, allowing him to cut inside and place a time effort at Roos, who inexplicably pammed it straight out into the path of Matondo, who put it away. And it was the worst possible start. And after struggling to really get any sort of foothold in the game in that opening 15 minutes, the Dons nearly forcing equaliser through McGrath on 19 minutes as he wriggled away from Tavernier and Goldson before firing straight at Butland from an angle. Tavernier then with a chance on the half hour that he blazed over before Jensen produced a wonderful block to deny Matondo a certain goal on 39 minutes as the home side looked to turn the screw. But despite all of their possession and opportunities, it was Aberdeen who snuck the equaliser just on half-time, Miofsky latching onto a ball over the top from Barron. He outmuscled Goldson before neatly lofting the ball past the onrushing Butland for his 20th goal of the campaign. Another wonderful goal from nothing for the North Macedonian. Halftime 1-1. And the Dons could have grabbed an early goal as Barron's corner was flicked on at the near post by Devlin, but that one just drifted behind before the home side began to assert themselves again as the Dons began to dig in. 
some fine defending from both Jensen and Gartenham and helping to restrict clear-cut chances for the home side to a, minim- a minimum. Povara on for Hayes on 60 mi- 69 minutes, but despite all of that decent defensive work, the home side took the lead again on 72 minutes. Lawrence's shot from distance again, parried out by Roos. Can't well on hand to score this time around. Duke and Phillips on for McGrath and Clarkson just a couple of minutes later. And this point, the Dons started to pose a little bit more of an attacking threat. Before the unthinkable, a red card that Ibrox for the home side as Sterling was sent packing for a late challenge on McKenzie. And to double everybody's bewilderment, Don Robertson stuck to his on-field decision despite the Loudon Tavern-based VAR advising him to take a look again at it. Big shouts for a penalty following a goal-mouth scramble that saw Connor Golden further his NBA credentials with another spot of basketball. Presumably VAR was offered a pint at the time of the first handball. And that was that. A late free kick from Duke going wide as the home side held on for the win. On the possession front, 25% for Aberdeen, 75% for Sevco. Shots 9 to 23. Shots on target, 4 to 7 in favour of the home side. Expected goal, 0.53 for the Dandy Dons, 2.10 for the team in blue. So, Gav, um, it's fair to say it's been a hectic few days down AB24 since we last spoke. Um, I guess as well... The best thing potentially for all concerned was to have a game as quickly as we did, even if it meant that Warnock and Ronnie Jepson, Ronnie Jepson, by the way, just looks like an archetypical fucking bingo caller from some industrial town in the northwest of England, it's fair to say. They've had limited time with the group on the training ground, um, but it probably at least means that maybe the circus that is Warnock's first game was over quite quickly, and we can hopefully now kind of knuckle down a bit. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, it's... um. I think he expressed in his uh, very first press conference that, by all accounts, he was actually due to start this week leading into Bonnie Rig, or perhaps even after Bonnie Rig rose, um, based on what he said. But he couldn't pass up the opportunity to play uh, or manage the side going to play Ibrox. Less said about that, the better. Um, I think, yeah, just uh, there's been so much um, buzz and excitement. And I think in a weird way that this was Rangers away... It's a game where it's very difficult to judge the impact of Neil Warnock. Um, I think this is a performance I would have expected under Bad Robson, under Peter Lieben, um, and the way we played it and the kind of heart and the endeavour. I think as far as Neil Warnock goes, we'll we'll get a measure of whether this is a good move or not in the upcoming games uh, at home. And I guess the sides, I guess, where if we want to achieve the kind of goals that we have in our mind, then we need to start picking up results against those sorts rather than rather than, I guess, away from home at, uh, at Rangers. Yeah, in terms of that starting 11, um, surprised with the changes that were made? Um, I'm not surprised that Johnny Hayes came in um, because of the reasons Warnock uh, outlined in his pre-match interview on Sky. Obviously, he's got a, a lot of time for Johnny Hayes, has tried to sign him three times. I think he would have been the manager at Cardiff when he ultimately ended up going to Celtic and there was Chad about him going to Cardiff instead. I think your Hayes just fits in with the kind of mould of a, a Neil Warnock player and obviously he wants a little bit of experience in the team. And Leighton Clarkson is obviously a big name that he may well be familiar with um, in England, um, coming from Liverpool. So um, no, not necessarily any surprises for me. I think for me, I was surprised, perhaps not so much with Hayes coming in. I think I, uh, I could see 
you know, a Johnny Hayes buzzing around in training the day before, impressing Warnock, you know, that kind of energy and, and running ability. Warnock does like to play with wide players as well, generally speaking. So I can see why he wanted to get some more natural width possibly into the team as well. I was a little bit surprised to see Clarkson in for Phillips just because I thought Phillips was so impressive against Celtic in that kind of midfield role where he was really good at kind of hassling and harrying the Celtic team, especially in the second half. And I do think you kind of miss a little bit of that with Leighton Clarkson being in the team. And I just thought with the way the game was more than likely expected to go, perhaps Phillips for an hour might have been a better shout. But um, overall, another kind of really frustrating evening at Ibrox where we as a team, and it's hard to say how much of this again is down to the manager. He's only been in the door for a little bit. And, you know, perhaps some of his comments about Rangers and Ibrox and stuff maybe leave a little bit to be desired at this moment in time. I know we don't want to look too much into what managers say, but there was a little bits that were just giving me the nasties. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to um, pretend otherwise. But again, a circumstance where we just seem to play the reputation and the occasion a little bit rather than focusing on the team we were playing. Very defensively minded again. And it never really looked like we believed we could get anything until late on in the game. Yeah, um, I think that's the issue, isn't it? The the belief in there. Um, I think, you know, there's only so much you can do with one training session. And by all accounts on social media, it looks like a lot of that was taken up with just a sort of 11 v 11 game. And it looks like he was just trying to be ultra positive and try and get a little bit of confidence. But it's going to take more than one session to to make a team believe that they can go to Glasgow and, and compete, um, especially when you've got a manager, if not maybe previous two managers for the players who've been around for that long who've been very deferential very defensively minded when we've gone to gone and play Rangers and Celtic at their home stadiums so I, I don't I don't read a huge amount into it I mean yeah I would tend to agree now that when he's talking about you know what a stadium it is and how beautiful the pitch is and the atmosphere and blah 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 it's like maybe someone just needs to have a little word in his ear that we don't really tend to say these kind of things around uh, around Aberdeen way about Rangers in particular. Um, I just think, yeah, the chances of him making any real impact were were limited. And, you know, I think the way the game plays out is is frustrating um, because I think in big chunks, we have good shape. We work hard. Uh, we're resilient. Uh, but in just critical moments, as has been the way all season, um, some players just didn't stand up when they needed to. Yeah, I think that's probably fair enough. Um, a bit like the first half on Saturday against Celtic, a real lack of composure from us at times when we got on the ball, I thought. Yeah, very, very frantic, uh, very hurried whenever we we could get possession. I think that's just natural when the opposition team are just dominating in the way they are. And um, in the first half, especially, Boy Amiofsky was just horrendously um, isolated if we could ever get the ball uh, in, his, in his direction. And... Very few, very little in the way of chances for ourselves to get ourselves up the field, take a little bit of the heat off the defense. Um, yeah, just very passive, um, deferential, as I, as I've said earlier, just that mentality when it comes to playing these sides. We just, um, even though it's a relatively new group of players, it's just seems to be something that just runs through the, the club and it's going to take longer than probably even the time Neil Warnock's here altogether to get rid of that, never mind a day or two. You can see it as early as we did. Once again, just just criminal. A, a number of contributory factors leading into the goal. Um, it's a poor touch by Gartenman initially. Shinny's on his heels, which allows Matondo to nip in initially. Hayes slipping, um, which feels like we could just take and copy and paste that from any time that Johnny Hayes has played this season. 
um, that slip allows McCausland a bit of space to, to get the shot away. But the biggest factor of all is is Kel Roos here. Really, really poor goalkeeping, especially at such an early stage as well. Yeah, um, I mean, like you say, you watch the entire build-up from the moment that Miofsky loses the ball, you know, Gartman sort of does well to intercept, but it's a, a slack pass. McGrath's on his heels as well. Uh, Shinny loses out and, you know, play builds up. Johnny Hayes slips <laughs> a disproportionate amount for any professional footballer. But nevertheless, it's, uh, it's yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very, very tame shot right down the middle of the goal. There's no excuses for why Kelrus cannot claim this ball. Um, and yeah, I think you can potentially also point the finger there at Nicky Devlin not being alert enough to the danger. But I mean, strikers, I think attacking players are always going to be on the move in a way that defenders are not um, in that moment. And it doesn't happen if Kelrus does the basics and, and takes the ball in. And if he's going to parry it, then he's got to parry it wide of the goal, or at least wide of the um, away from the penalty area. It's inexcusable goalkeeping. I would certainly agree with Warnock here. I think that credit to our team, I think they didn't wilt after going a goal down. Some teams certainly would have done um, in that atmosphere because, you know, Sevco were buoyed as they looked to get themselves top of the table. You could sense there was a real atmosphere there as well when we went a goal down so early that the, the home fans were expecting them to go on and like, you know, really make a statement and put a few past us and get themselves top of the table. We actually settled in after the goal okay and we did pretty well defensively I thought for the in the main in that first half you only have to look back um, a month or two to when we played their their brothers in green and white to see that we did we've done exactly that as far yeah. as collapse after conceding an early goal you set up with a defensive minded shape to keep things tight and you know hopefully hit them on the break or get a set piece and see what you can do from there um, so I would tend to I, like once again it's a story of I don't for a minute doubt the endeavour or the heart of this team just in these critical moments the you know the, we're not making the right decisions or we're not executing things correctly the equaliser I mean what more can we say about Boyamioski that's 20 for the season now in a team where you know and and as much as I want to slag off Chris Sutton and Chris Boyd, both of them were right about this. That's a team that doesn't create a lot of chances. He's been feeding off of scraps for much of the season. Um, another wonderful goal from nothing, once again. Another goal from Boyamiovsky that I don't necessarily think he scores when he first comes to Aberdeen. So it's just, it's the continued evolution and the progression of him as an all-round player. Um, just, you know, being alert to the situation. Um, if Connor Goldson is half as good as people like to make out that he is, then he deals with it easily. And some strikers wouldn't even bother trying to to make anything of it. Um, just to get himself in front and then show that kind of strength and tenacity to hold off Goldson. Because Goldson's, you know, a big guy by all accounts. It's fantastic. And then you've still got to then do enough to get the ball past Jack Butlin, who's coming out uh, at speed. Good finish. Um, yeah, I mean, he's what now? 39 goals all in in 18 months. 19 last year, 20 this season. On track, I would say. 18 last season. 38. 18, 19. <laughs> tomato, tomato, tomato. 38 goals like in half yeah. a, one and a half years on a team that's, generally speaking, not been overflowing with uh, chances and creativity um, as a testament to him. He's on track now for me to get 50 goals in an Aberdeen shirt by the end of the season. And if he does that, that's, you know, over half what Adam Rooney did. And I'm not trying to undermine what Adam Rooney did as an Aberdeen striker, but he had a lot more in the way of service coming his way 
Absolutely. So for me, obviously, to do it in a team that's, you know, been struggling for a lot of the time just shows how good he is and, you know, the, the sky's the limit for him. Well, he's 20 in 35 games this season alone. So he's averaging what uh, better than a goal every two games right now in, in a team, like we say, who just don't create chances. And it's yeah. remarkable stuff um, from that perspective. And yeah, I think we're just so fortunate that he's still with us and nobody was sniffing around uh, with any real great interest in January. Uh, the second goal, again, really frustrating. Because again, second half, I thought we'd actually settled into the game fine enough. I thought defensively we looked okay. We were kind of managing and dealing with a lot of what Sevco were putting in front of us. But again, second goal, massive questions again about Kel Roos. It's a much better hit from Tom Lawrence here than McCausland's was for the first goal. But you can counter that by saying that Kel Roos sees this one coming a long, long way. There's okay, a little bit of a cut on it, but it's a good height for the goalkeeper. He should be doing better with it once again, shouldn't he? Um, yeah, this is another goal where there's just there's there's a build up to it, which is frustrating as well, because you know, like Shinny wins the ball, uh, McGrath plays it to McKenzie, McKenzie plays a bit of an aimless punt up the field towards Leighton Clarkson. And if anyone's ever stood next to Leighton Clarkson, they will know that he is a tiny, tiny human being who's not going to be winning any headers anytime soon. And you know, the ball drops in the middle of the park in the middle of our half, and of course it's a Rangers player who picks it up. And the ball, the play develops. Lawrence stuff said it. It's a good hit by all accounts. But once again, for me, Calidus has to do a lot better. Like you say, he sees it coming all the way. If anything, for me, the speed of the movement on the ball should make it easier to get the ball again around the post or at least away from the danger area. Um, and if you're being hypercritical, I think he's kind of slow getting to his feet as well to to get the Catwell uh, rebound. Um, I think you can also once again say that you know you've got Richard Jensen, Devlin, Jack McKenzie stood like statues as Catwell, you know, fires the ball into the back of the net. And maybe they should be aware that you know, Roos, if he does try and come for crosses, he tends to punch. And if he tries to make saves, he generally speaking parries. So maybe they should be a little bit more alert to the danger. But yeah, for me, once again, you've got to say the goalkeeper's culpable here. Yeah, I was going to say, he's probably not helped again by his defenders. I think it's a little bit worse the second goal as well. Um, McKenzie in particular is on his heels. This one. I've seen people criticising Devlin. I think Devlin's a bit too close to Roos on this one to kind of react quickly to it. It's, it's Devlin, it's McKenzie, sorry, who sees Cantwell and doesn't quite react to it. But once again, um, I'd expect the goalkeeper to be doing better with it. Roos, let's talk about Kel Roos quickly because, I mean, obviously you've 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 made your feelings quite well known about Kel Roos over the last few weeks, Gavin. And uh, certainly in the group chat last night, they were even more vigorous. Out of contract in the summer, it's been very quiet in relation to whether or not we've, you know, how, how far along we've got about even trying to offer him a new contract. I know there was talk before about that with Barry Robson, but it's gone very quiet on that sense. Um, probably already know the answer to this, but would you be keen to see us do something else in the summer window for the number one spot. Uh, yes. Next question, please. <laughs> I mean, the interesting part with Kel Roos, of course, is that, and and maybe you can look back through history as well with Aberdeen goalkeepers. Kel Roos's best performances for Aberdeen came during that spell last season, where it felt like there was genuine competition on the bench for him in the form of Jay Horter. Um, you know, I think it's pretty plain to see that Ross Duhan at this very moment in time isn't getting much of a look in. I'd be interested to see whether Duhan potentially comes in 
to the team at the weekend. But um, there was nothing really in Duhan's track record that jumped out that this was a guy coming here to compete to be number one. Is that lack of competition, do you think, forcing a little bit of complacency that we're seeing out of Kel Reeves? Um, There's potentially an element to that. But I just think, honestly, if you think back to the kind of reviews we were getting from Derby County fans when we first signed Kel Roos, in his first six months at Aberdeen, I think that it's hard to remember like much, much that he cost us. I think as much of that has to do with him getting away with a lot of things. Um, when he came back from his injury, his he had a purple patch that coincided with a purple patch for the entire team. True. And that's really all I've seen from him. Um, you know, People will say that he's a good shot stopper. I think that has regressed quite dramatically over time. Um, and as an all-round goalkeeper... I think he's very, very limited. Um, and I would say this, what we're seeing right now, you know, um, matches quite nicely with what people tell you about him prior to him coming to Aberdeen. Uh, just not reaching the levels and he's costing us games, costing us goals and he's an all-round liability. Just really frustrating because I think you've touched on it before. If you were designing a goalkeeper in a lab these days, he probably wouldn't look too dissimilar to what Kyle Reese is he's a, he's a big lad he's a he's, he's well built he's not like a rake um good height about him you'd expect that he's kind of got everything there that you'd be looking for from a physical perspective but there's just all these little bits and pieces now that just become more and more frustrating as the weeks pile on which is incredibly frustrating on the whole talking about frustrating just a really frustrating evening at ibrox i thought um in the main our defense was decent enough i thought across most of the game Probably Jensen and Gartman's best games we've seen from them in a in a long time. Uh, maybe there is signs there that, that can be a central defensive partnership to get us through to the back end of the season if Warnock persists with the four. Uh, certainly Gartman's best game since his initial run when he first came to the club. Uh, I thought he defended very, very well. Uh, Jensen stuck to his task. I thought McKenzie and uh, Devlin at times struggled with the pace of the Rangers wingers and they seemed a little bit... Um, off it when they would play the ball either wide down the channels or in between the gaps between the fullbacks and the centre backs. Um, so I think they struggled a little bit and obviously didn't provide much of a an outlet going forward. But that's just because I think they could never really get away from their own box. Never mind get into the Rangers half uh, through most of the game. I would tend to agree though. Stuck to their task pretty well. I think I expressed concern about Gartman and Jensen perhaps when they come up against like a big physical striker or a player with pace. Um, I think Dessers to begin with was, you know, kind of bullying them a little bit, but they seem to get the hang of him, uh, a hold of him, sorry, quite quickly. And, you know, I think despite the possession that Rangers had and the fact they've gone and won the game, I don't really think of Kelrus having to do too much. And he, he made a pretty of, decent save. He has a good save at a corner from Tom Lawrence that comes through a crowd of bodies. Yeah. Uh, but that aside... You know, Jensen does well to block the Matondo effort when he counterattacks. Yeah. A lot of crosses come into the box, but I think, generally speaking, we dealt with it all pretty well, and that's what makes it more frustrating to know that it's two very avoidable goals that have cost us this game. After what was a really good performance at the weekend, or certainly second half anyway, I felt the game kind of passed Graham Shiny by a little bit yesterday. I thought he was on his heels a lot again and just not quite at it. Yeah, I would tend to probably say that by level at the, that in the entire midfield. Yeah. Really. Um, no one seemed to be quite prepared to try and get close to the Rangers midfielders. Uh, just kind of let them have the run of the pitch, which is extremely frustrating because there's not 
apart from a vintage Ranger set of players there. And um, yeah, I just didn't think we really competed with them at all. Thought Barham was decent enough, trying to get on the ball, trying to make things happen when he could. Uh, difficult though, like you say, because we never really kind of came out enough to try and get going. Clarkson never really got going. Uh, and as I touched on at the start of the show, I was kind of curious why we went with him and not Phillips. I do recall thinking to myself that I would have made a change around about the hour mark and I would have got Phillips on as if anything, just to try and help Miofsky defend from the front and mm. try and put a little bit more pressure on the Rangers center backs. And I guess the likes of Lundstrom and, and Lawrence in the midfield. Um, and unfortunately by the time that we could have made that change, uh, Cantwell scores and it's two one and we're now chasing the game. But I think, yeah, maybe there was a bit of a mistake there dropping him and maybe even, you know, not getting Polvano on from the start as well. Strap things up now, I think. You know, I, I don't know about you. Um, I really just hope that we can try and find a manager now next season um, who's going to pay little attention to, you know, so-called reputations or institutions and just takes his teams and has a go at them. It doesn't, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not, when I say that, I don't necessarily mean, you know, you go somewhere like Ibrox and you go all guns blazing and you leave yourself massively exposed to being caught out just to show that a little bit more belief and just not play the play the reputation so much and, just, and play the game of football. That's This is the thing that infuriates me a lot, and I know you'll come up with this in a minute. It's not a good Celtic team at this moment in time. I don't think that's a good Rangers team at this moment in time either. Um, it would just be great if we just saw just that little bit more belief sometimes that we can go and try and do something. No, they're, they're not good teams. I mean, like Celtic have 100% regressed since Postacoglu. Uh, left and Rodgers came back in and for all the you know the stats and the record that Clement has um, accumulated in the short time he's been at, at Rangers you know they're not again there's I go think back to a Rangers team 20 years ago and it's nowhere it's not even remotely comparable uh, to what they've got right now I guess you know that's, that's just because a, not the same club Gavin well that's very true to be fair um, I guess the thing that's just regrettable is that you know we've got some good players and we've got some that are probably not up to standard (laughs) to be uh, at Aberdeen never mind uh, competing with you know the two better sides in our in our league I guess Um, but it doesn't just go as far as just it's not just like I feel I feel in recent seasons we've become this way with like Hearts at Tynecastle I feel like we've kind of done up Hibs at Easter Road as well to a certain extent um, I mean our our away record of both those clubs speaks volume about how um, we feel about going to both time Castle and Easter Road, so probably something in that as well. I guess I think we've just become a very kind of almost been a, become afraid of losing. So yeah. we'll just try whatever we can to avoid that. And if we can get a win, then that's just a massive bonus. Um hey, listen, when Neil Warnock guides us to the Scottish Cup and fourth place and realizes he's never managed in Europe before and he fancies a crack at it, then We'll see where we are next season when we go to Ibrox and Celtic Park. I have the fear. I really do that that's a type of scenario that plays out. And yeah, anyway. Um, man of the match for you, or top down from you? Uh, top down, I think I've been critical of this guy in the last few months, but I thought Stefan Gartman defended like an absolute demon. <laughs> I thought for a minute you were going to give it to Kel Roos for a second. Absolutely no danger. I'm giving it to Kel Roos. The only person giving it to Kel Roos is Kenny fucking Miller. <laughs> well, very true. Um, did we need to talk about Kenny Miller last night? No Jesus, one needs, no one needs to talk about Kenny Miller. 
unbelievable. I know Kenny I know, Miller's parents don't talk about Kenny Miller. <laughs> I know that Sky are desperate for there to be a quote unquote title race, but um, it's remarkable that they paid for the license rights for Rangers TV on commentary last night. I thought um, unbelievable stuff. Never mind. Um, I think it's hard to look past Gartenman, to be honest. I mean, Miofsky, it's a class finish, but he did very little else in the game. Um, through no fault of his own, I thought he still worked hard, but it is what it is. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably tend to agree on Gartenman. And you you have to hope maybe, let's like, say, somebody like Warnock can come in and just, you know, get that confidence raised with some of the guys, especially in the defence, who have looked a little bit fragile from time to time this season so um yeah i'd go with garman as well before we move on to talk about bunny regro just a very quick congrats as well to the young team who came from two goals down against keith in the aberdeenshire cup uh last night as well to win it 3-2 thanks to hat trick from aaron reed at balmour um the last of those coming in deep in injury time so the young team advance on to the semi-finals where they'll play either for martin united who of course aaron reed is currently on loan at so i'm not sure how that will work out um, or the Inveruri Chuff Chuffs. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head when that other quarterfinal is to take place. It might take place before this gets released. Who knows, Gab? But there we go. But yeah, uh, another good result from the young team just to, again, against experienced high and legal opposition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to be quite honest, I hadn't actually realised we'd come back from 2-0 down. Uh, I thought that was game over when that happened. So it's great to hear they had that character and the ability to come back. Uh, I guess if it's Aaron Reid for, for, for Martin, then I guess the only fair thing is he gets to play 45 minutes for one team and 45 the other. <laughs> Classic testimonial chat. <laughs> of course, they'll be cheating on the chuff chuffs, obviously, um, to make sure that happens. But yeah, no, all, great stuff from the young team again there. Um, good to see them getting regrouped as well. Obviously, so many of them are out on loan at this moment in time, so it's good to see them just get back and, and see what happens. I think there is definitely a talented group kicking around in there. It'll just be good to see who can make that step up into the into the first team echelons over the next couple of years. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on, Gav, quickly. So Saturday afternoon, sees us back in the Scottish Cup as Bonnie Rig Rose travel north as we look to take another step towards taking the famous old trophy back to Aberdeen for the first time in 34 years. A first ever meeting with the Midlothian side who, of course, are enjoying only their second season in the senior ranks of Scottish football after being promoted at the end of the 2021-22 season after seeing off Cowdenbeath 4-0 on aggregate to secure promotion to League 2. Cowdenbeath, of course, who had for years been that turd that just wouldn't quite flush. But eventually, Bonnie Rig Rose got the plunger out and got it done. Um, Bonnie Rig Rose now currently the lowest ranked side left in the competition. So as far as draws go, we can't be too critical about this one. Uh, finished eighth in League Two last season, three points clear of Albion Rovers, who finished bottom and then, of course, ultimately dropped into the Lowland League as well. Uh, an improved season so far for Bonnie Rigg, currently sitting fifth in League Two after a 2 0 win over Elgin City on Tuesday night. They're just six points off Dumbarton, who currently occupy the last playoff spot in League Two as well. The fifth round is the furthest that Bonnie Rigg have ever made it in the Scottish Cup. They secured their spot in this round following a 2 1 win after extra time at Fraserburgh in round two, a 1-0 win over Albion Rovers in round three, and then perhaps what was one of the biggest shocks of round four, a 2-1 win over Falkirk at New Dundas Park in late January. Bradley Barrett, what a great name that is. The hero in that one with a header and added time to take them into round five. They're coming at this one in decent form. Only one defeat in their last seven games, no defeats in their last five. 31 goals scored in their 22 games to date. It's not you know massively free scoring, but doing all right. 
It's about middle of the road in League Two, as is their 30 goals conceded. Manager Robbie Horn has been in charge since 2018 after leaving Berwick Rangers in October of that year. He generally appears to be favouring at this moment in time a kind of 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 in recent weeks. Has also deployed the 3-5-2 earlier in the campaign as well. Top goal scorer this season is defender Neil Martinuk. I will have absolutely bastardised that particular pronunciation, but we'll go with it. 10 goals in all competitions for him, but he is the designated penalty taker, so we'll let him away with that one. The aforementioned Bradley Barrett next up on five. Connor Dean was the hero on Tuesday night with two goals against Elgin. There's no immediately obvious players in the squad that are recognisable to seasoned Scottish football watchers, predominantly a, a group of players who have come up either through kind of lowland leagues or through kind of lower echelons of the Scottish game so far. Reasonably young squad, an average age of 26.7 there, so not the not the oldest. Um, but as always, Gav, with these types of games, what do we really know? Hee-haw. Exactly. So we caught up with Grant Tuch, Bonnie Reg fan and Groundhopper enthusiast to get his thoughts on this weekend's game. Tougher is welcome to the ABZ Football Podcast, mate. How's it going? I'm not too bad, mate. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, good. Like I was just saying before we started recording, um, yeah. it's been hectic, he- busy. Um, being the country's premier banter club obviously makes it extremely busy for us at this moment in time. But hey, there we go. That's what it's all about. Um, here to talk about Saturday's historic first ever meeting between Aberdeen and Bonnie Rig Rose. Um, I guess before we get into that, just looking forward to the weekend I am mate yeah we've uh, ever since the draw was made we've been a wee bit uh, hectic ourselves trying to get all the um, the buses organised and trying to gauge interest on how many fans are actually going to come up but um, the last I heard of the game last night we've currently sold about 900 tickets stands. Um, so hopefully we'll uh, we'll break the thousand barrier but uh, no it'll be a brilliant day overall for all our fans who are going to head up and uh, i looking forward to it Brilliant stuff. That's more than hearts normally take up here. So there we go. I um, <laughs> were uh, we're doing Midlothian proud. That's it. Absolutely. I mean, in terms of history, I guess again before we come in and talk about the game itself in a bit more detail, the weekend. Where would you say this one ranks for Burnley? But you know, perhaps just tucked in behind the Hibs game in in twenty sixteen. Um, obviously, we've had big days going back into like the old junior days and stuff. We won like our Scottish Junior Cups, but. Um, Hibs was obviously a big day at Tynecastle. You know, we sold, I think it was like 4,000 fans or something that day. Um, the scoreline uh, didn't reflect very well on ourselves that day. But, uh, you know, just to play in that sort of magnitude of a game was uh, was good overall. But, um, you know, we've, we've beat Dumbarton in the past where they were a championship side at the time and we were still in the east of Scotland. So um, mm-hmm. that was a real historic day, that one for the club. But uh, I think ever since we, uh, we drew Aberdeen... Um, I've not seen a buzz like this for a while. Like we've had so much interest, um, trying to get buses sorted, and I think we've got four buses coming up from the supporters club, which we've organised. We've also got another two with our local community club. Um, we've got a couple mini buses going. So, uh, yeah, it's been constantly, you know, the town's been buzzing, like I say, to just get the fixture played out and trying to get everything organised ahead of the game. Good. So it's all about though, isn't it? At the end of the day, I mean, like. Yeah. From Aberdeen perspective, obviously Bonnerig are the kind of lowest ranked team left in the competition. Yeah. So a home draw for us against the lowest ranked side is obviously the kind of dream draw as far as we're concerned. Yeah. But it is that bit where you flip on its head and you kind of go from a 
from 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 Bonnerick's perspective, you just look at. It. I mean, also we we fell foul obviously of the the of the the dream scenario um, from a lower league team perspective or even from a non league team perspective uh, last season. But we won't talk about that too much because it's not the BBC. <laughs> um, yeah. But Bonnerick coming at this one in decent form. Only one defeat in the last seven. Uh, a good two 0 win against Elgin on Tuesday night. No defeats in the last five. Mm-hmm. Air of confidence coming at this one. Do you think? I think to be honest, mate, we're just going to come up and enjoy ourselves. Like you say, there we're uh, three games in a row we've had clean sheets. Obviously, on the back of that big Falkirk win, and to be honest, I don't think a lot of people had much hope given Falkirk's form. But then yeah. again, on the day you've seen the pitch. Um, I know John McGlynn's been speaking about the pitch in about fifty interviews ever since the game. Um, but no, the pitch was a level playing field that day. You've got twenty-two players playing on that pitch. At the end of the day, it just who wanted it more, but. Yeah. Um, Speaking about form there, you're right. We've uh, unbeaten, um, I think you said five games there. And then we had, um, we've had three consecutive clean sheets, um, albeit two no-no draws. But uh, that game against Elgin last night was perfect just to give us a little bit of a boost ahead of the game on Saturday. So, like I say, we'll come up, we'll, uh, we'll give it a best shot and see what happens. It's Scottish Cup, anything can happen. Um, but like on your end, Neil Warnett's um, home debut. So, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if you get a lot of fans turn up to see what his style of play could be like at home. So I don't expect him to go easy on us. I expect him to put out a strong team and um, try to see which players are going to be um, the best for his style of football going forward. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be certainly an interesting one from that perspective. It's, um, you know, we had the big circus stuff with Warnock, his debut opposite Ibrox on Tuesday night as well. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe in a way it's quite good at that go out of the way quite quickly yeah. um, and, and hopefully allows us just to kind of settle and let them have a bit of time with the squad and see what he wants to do but I mean in terms of um, in terms of Bonnie Rigg I mean how what do you think we can expect to see as Aberdeen fans from Bonnie Rigg on, on Saturday I mean I, I've been having a wee look through a lot of kind of more recent fixtures and stuff and I can see that Robbie Horn's kind of been flitting between what would appear to be a variation between a kind of 4-2-3-1 and a 4-3-3 in recent weeks has obviously mm-hmm. deployed the 3-5-2 previously as well it's one of these. It's like I, I, this is one of these situations where it's very hard not to come across as being patronising. So I apologise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like no, you'll see, like one of my pet hates in life is when I see Aberdeen fans talk about going to Ibrox on Tuesday night. It's been a free hit for us, right? Mm-hmm. But real terms, this is a free hit for Bonnie Rigg, isn't it? So how how do you think they're going to approach it? Going to come here and try and have a go and try and get try and get a win, especially now that replays are no longer a thing. Yeah. No, as you said, there, I, I don't see why there's a reason we have to sit back or anything like that you know like we've got the draw away from home which is what we would have wanted at this stage of the competition um, I think for a club like Bonnerig you know a decent payout is exactly what we need um, in football these days so um, no we've no reason to sit back on the day you spoke about the formations there we, like we previously used to play on like a 5-3-2 or a 3-5-2 but nowadays you're seeing the club attack games more with a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 um, I think we'll be very direct I do think we will go with uh, the one big striker but um, we'll probably have a couple guys on the wing who hopefully could cause a bit of damage with their pace but again set pieces might be our most dangerous aspect of our play we've had a ridiculous penalty record this season in the league where we've had that many given to us so um, you'll be getting be one you'll, thing. you'll be the new Rangers at this rate mate Exactly, we've already had like graphics designed on social media with penalty bonnerig and stuff like that. So, um, I I do think um corners um free kicks would be our 
most likely we are going to go, but like I say, mate, it's a free hit for us. We're just going to come up and enjoy ourselves. The players will be the same. They'll enjoy it. Um, the fans are going to enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, we just want to make a good name for ourselves and, you know, enjoy the day out. It's interesting as well, you've just picked up on the, the prospect of set pieces and corners and stuff being a big threat. It's an area that Aberdeen have really struggled with this season. Um, mm. So in particular, uh, the Dundee game, just, you know, um, Barry Robson's last game in charge. Um, if you get the ball thrown in the box, a bit of quality and certainly get on top of Kelrys. Kelrys is not known for coming off his line and claiming things. Mm. Um, certainly could be an area that, that does concern us. I guess just in terms of like players to watch out for then as well. Um, obviously, I think you touched on obviously the goal scoring record this season from penalties is unbelievable. I think it's Neil Martinuk who's yeah. your top scorer with 10. But after that, it's like Bradley Barrett, I think is next up on five. Connor Dean got a brace obviously at the weekend. So who, who, which players are the ones that Aberdeen fans should be kind of keeping an eye out for, do you think? Yeah, you've named a few there. I mean, all those players that you've mentioned, I do expect to start. Um, Bradley is likely going to be on the left-hand side um, of a front three. And then Connor Dolan, who got the two goals last night, he was on the right-hand side. Um, Martin Rick will probably be at the back, um, him and Kerry Young. But uh, your probably main danger man in midfield could be uh, Lee Curry. He's our set-piece taker for free kicks, corners, etc. And... Um, I'm not entirely sure who will go with as our number nine. You've got obviously McGacky and the new boy Declan Byrne who came in from Dumbarton who's been starting the last couple of games. Um, but yeah, we've, what I've noticed about Bonnerig nowadays is that we do have a bench where you've got players who can come on and make a difference. Uh, obviously the standard between League 2 and the Premiership is completely different but at the end of the day if we've got that winning mentality within the team and I think after the Falkirk game that's what you've seen like on the day Bonnerig wanted it more against Falkirk. Um, based on what I've seen so yeah I don't see why anybody will be fearing the game everybody will just go up there give it their best and then like I say who knows anything can happen lovely stuff listen uh, tough as well. we'll we'll wrap things up here but I can never let any of our guests leave without them offering up a prediction for the weekend and you don't need to be polite about it either so <laughs> sometimes people come um, on shows and they're always like oh I'll see a draw <laughs> yeah no I um uh, do you know what? So one thing, just with trying to organise all the buses and stuff going up, I've not even really put any thought into the game. Um, I'm going to go with a 2-1-2 Aberdeen. I mm. think Bonnerig might actually, um, like I say, I think we'll score from a set piece. Um, yeah, I think Aberdeen might take a lead and we'll score in the second half at some point, but Aberdeen might make it towards the end. So yeah, 2-1 Aberdeen will go for. Excellent stuff. Looking forward to it. It's one of these, it's like, it's one of the great things, well, I say one of the great things. One of the many great things about the fact that the pyramid has at least been opened up to a certain extent now exactly, is that yeah. we do get these opportunities now where we actually look at games and go, shit, it's the first time these two teams have ever actually played each other, which is <laughs> which is fantastic. And there's 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 a very limited number of league teams that Aberdeen have not played. Um I think Kelty and I'm trying to think who else there is. Spartans obviously now. And yeah. is that is that the lot? I don't think we've played the new Airdrie, I don't think. Other than that, I think that, that that would complete the set. So it's always good to be able to kind of get that done. So listen, yeah. mate, enjoy the game on Saturday. Enjoy the day. Um, and um, I was going to say all the best for it, but I'd also be lying from that perspective. <laughs> but no, I appreciate you taking the time to come and join us. Just give us that little insight into what Aberdeen fans can expect on Saturday. Of course, mate. No, thank you very much again for having me on. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And um, hopefully we can enjoy the day. Thanks very much, mate. So Gav, there we go. Um, your thoughts on this one, obviously Neil Warnock's home debut um, 
as interim manager of Aberdeen. A cup draw, we couldn't have hoped for much better in the sense of a home tie against the lowest ranked team left in the competition. But after recent season's events, not not one we can take lightly. Uh, take nothing for granted, 100%. Um, you know, the story of Bonnie and Rick Gross is, is an interesting one from what they've kind of got, been able to achieve here. Yeah, like I say, not having the same kind of budget, perhaps as maybe a Kelsey or a Cove Rangers, and be able to just fly through the leagues and progress at a rapid uh, speed, a rapid speed of knots. So, you know, it's been more of a progressive piece by piece. Obviously, just surviving last year was the big thing. And now this year, like you say, they seem to be kicking on. Uh, not necessarily challenging at the top, but, you know, steady mid-table side and within, you know, within a shout of the playoffs. So take nothing for granted. They're going to be here to try and get another shock in the cup. Uh, being against Aberdeen will be enough. The fact that we've kind of got the the buzz, the the frenzy, the circus, we want to call it, about Neil Warnock. Uh, there'll be a lot of attention on the game. I'm sure they'll want to upset us there as well. So got to go there, be professional. Same story for me as Clyde. Play the best team, get the job done, and get ourselves into the next round of the Scottish Cup. Is there anything particularly you kind of want to see from the way we set up the weekend? Do you want to see maybe some players coming in a little bit? I know you said there, you, you know what, you want to see the, the strongest team out there. I think I'm very intrigued to see what Warnick decides to do, given he'll have had a little bit more time to to look at the squad and look at the team and maybe try and do something a little bit different um, coming at this one. You know, I, I look at someone like Shaden Morris, who I know you think you're like, well, you know, <laughs> that's a player that Warnick's looking like. You saw them hugging and having a laugh last night. I think someone like Morris might be a kind of player that Warnock might like the look of. Just again, wide got a bit of pace about him he does like to play with with wide players it'd be interesting if he maybe gives Shaden Morris a run from the start uh, and and is there possibly a change up in the sticks um I'll deal with the first flaw the second part there because I think that's easier I don't think he will change the goalkeeper um the way it's going I think just Keldus could you could cut both of his arms off and he'd still play mm-hmm. every single week um such as the the way they view Ross doing um Oh, Shaden Morris. I mean, I think Neil Warnock's, you know, been coming and made it pretty clear what his goals are, which is to get as far up the league table as possible. And he wants to win the Scottish Cup. And for me, you do that by playing your best players. And Shaden Morris is not one of our best players. So let's uh, let's hope he doesn't doesn't go down that route. I mean, yeah, for me, I would get a Duke in the, in the team from the start. Uh, hopefully, coming up against a part-time side, we can just get him a good performance from him, uh, build his confidence up a little bit more, and we can use him in the league because uh, he'll be a great asset if we can get him back in form um, I'd love to see maybe Killian Phillips from the start again uh, Adante Adante Pulvar I think it's maybe a game where he could rest maybe one or two I mean like I don't think dropping McGrath who's played a lot of football for us for Adante or a Phillips is going to necessarily weaken us dramatically and you know just from the sense of you know getting as many goals as possible Miofsky up front obviously and uh, if we're, you know, two, three goals to the good at halftime in an ideal scenario, then then maybe I'll tolerate bringing some French players in. But you don't start with fucking Shaden Morris in a game you need to win. It's going to be interesting to see what what, what does happen, I think. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how Warnock decides to set up, a, set us up after having a, a little bit more time with the players and just to see what kind of confidence hopefully he can start to infuse amongst the group um gonna be an interesting one i think the weather looks a bit shite i think at the weekend it's fair to say um 
It's going to be interesting. I mean, Bonnie, it's that classic for us, isn't it? We're, we, we're almost in a no-win situation to a certain extent. Um, ultimately, a bit like the Clyde game, I'd love to see us go out there and put on a performance and get some goals and build the confidence. But ultimately, the most important thing is being in the hat for the next round. Yeah, um, I think the fact that we're at home maybe gives me a bit more of a, a hopefully an impetus from the team to just fly a bit more showing. Hopefully we can see, even though it's his Bonnie regrows and they are a League Two team and they're part time and it's not quite going to be the same caliber as teams we play in the in the league. If there's maybe some kind of evidence of ideas being implemented that Neil Warnock's brought into the team, that would be very encouraging. But yeah, the priority obviously is just getting ourselves into the into the hat for the next round. So fingers crossed. Grand. Good stuff. Predictions then for Saturday afternoon, three o'clock kickoff at Tawdry, Aberdeen versus Bonnie Rigrose in the Scottish Cup. Fifth round. Four one Aberdeen. Oh, four one. Lovely stuff. I'm gonna Oyan say, uh, is gonna get his hat trick. Has he yet he's yet to score he's a hat trick, hasn't he? Scored, he's scored many, many braces, but he's never scored a hat trick. I wonder if he regrets now. Remember he gave up that penalty to Vicente Bajewin back against Livingston. I wonder if he's regretting that these days. I don't think Boyan Miofsky looks back like that. <laughs> um I'm gonna say Aberdeen three, Bonnie Rigros nil, very comfortable, hopefully. Um not much to say about it and then the BBC will have to look at something else for a shock on Saturday night or Sunday yes, I guess yes. it will be uh, yes. the word Darvel will be mentioned at least once <laughs> ah of course it will absolutely <laughs> there we go will that do us Gav? yes thank you excellent lovely stuff um, thanks once again to Grant too for coming on and have a wee chat with us about this weekend's opposition uh, that will wrap up this episode of the ABZ Football Podcast thanks for joining us please remember to like subscribe follow whatever you do on your podcast Player of choice, join us next time for episode 156 of the show, where we will look back on the game against Bonnie Rigg, and then we'll look ahead to a doubleheader. We'll maybe do a doubleheader this time around. I don't know, we'll be arsed in two episodes next week, Gav. Been doing a lot of episodes lately. We have, maybe a doubleheader. over time. Indeed. Maybe a doubleheader preview next week. So we'll be looking at... Aberdeen against Motherwell on the Wednesday and then we'll look ahead also to Aberdeen against Hibs on the Saturday which is uh, the nominated AFC Community Trustee at Pataudry so we'll be joined in the next episode by uh, one of the trustees at the Community Trust Emma Stephen just to talk about all the good stuff that the Community Trust do what fans can look ahead uh, look forward to etc etc at the Hibs game as well look forward to seeing you then stand free This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!